0: is
1: the best sermon I've ever heard preached, personally, for me. And it happened at, at seminary. I was at Perkins School of Theology in Dallas, Texas. And my favorite professor, my toughest professor, Dr. Schubert Ogden, was going to preach at chapel on Wednesday. Everybody was excited because he rarely preached at chapel because he was always writing books that none of us could understand but this wednesday at two o'clock he was going to preach and so i even took i bought a new notebook because i thought i'm going to take notes on this sermon because i know it's going to be deep i know it's going to have a lot of stuff in it i know it's going to challenge my mind and so i bought a notebook. And I'm sitting there about the third row. That's really the front row for United Methodists. You know that. And so I'm sitting in the front row. And Schubert Ogden comes out. And it's the scripture passage. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know that story, right? It's a piece of who we are. By the way, not in all the Gospels. How many Gospels is the Good Samaritan in? Anybody know? One. Uno. Luke. Thank God for Luke. It also has the story of the prodigal son, Luke does. No other gospel. Also, only gospel that has the shepherds. Man, what would we do without Luke, right? So anyway, he preaches this sermon. And I'm thinking it's going to be purely deep, 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 deep. But it's a story. And he tells the story. He lives in Richardson, Texas. It's just kind of north of Dallas, Texas. It's right in Dallas, really, one of the suburbs there. Kind of a At that point, it was kind of a ritzy neighborhood, great school system. And he works for the church sometimes to go do theological sessions at church. And so one evening, he was supposed to go down to Waco, Texas. And he was supposed to give a little thing on process theology that was going to put him to sleep, I'm sure. But anyway, he got down there. Or he was going to go down there. And so it was about uh, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. He headed in his car, a little Honda that he had. You know, seminary professors don't get paid that well, so he was driving a little Honda. And he was heading down the road, and he noticed that he was almost out of gas. And he was just on I-35, just south of the city of Dallas. And he was getting a little nervous about pulling over to a gas station in South Dallas because that's the black part of the neighborhood. That's that part of the city. And so he's a little nervous about even going into a gas station there, but he pulls over, gets gas quickly as he can. He's telling us he's nervous. He's a little jittery about the whole thing and gets in back in the car and he heads back on the road. But suddenly when he gets on the road, the road changes a bit. There's a bunch of pot holes in the road, and the road seems to be deteriorating, the neighborhood starts getting worse. And suddenly, pop! His rear tire goes flat. And he looks out, and it's right about evening, and I've been there, west-south Dallas. And that's when the sugar babies come out. The prostitutes who are hooked on cocaine at that time. And they would come out to the streets about that moment. And they're noticing him too. And he's getting a little nervous, you know. This is not his part of town. And he goes and he quickly opens up his trunk. And he's looking around for all the stuff. And wouldn't you know it, he can't find his tire iron. Now what does he do? He's looking, he's looking. And all of a sudden, this Buick pulls up. And it's not just any old Buick, it's kind of tricked out, you know, and it's, it's got some loud music coming from it, and it's going up and down like this, and it pulls over right in front of him, and he's thinking, oh my gosh, I am in trouble here. And so he makes sure he kind of, when the, when the teenager, 17-year-old, um, comes out of the car with all this loud music going on, that he shows his hands so he doesn't look dangerous, and this teenager comes up to him and says, hey, you look like uh, you're in the wrong part of time, town, buddy. What, what, what's going on here? And he's getting even more nervous, right? And uh, so he says, well, uh, my, my, I can't find my tire iron. And he said, oh, well, let me check it out. And so this teenager comes out there, and he starts looking in the back of his trunk. And, of course, Schubert Ogden is thinking, what is he going to do to my car? And so he's looking, and he finds the tire iron. He said, well, I found that. But your real problem, he said, is your spare tire is flat. Oh, you've got to be kidding, Schubert said. But no problem, he said. Uh, back at home, I gotta, I've got to, you know, we can fix this. My dad fixes cars. and Why don't you just hop in with me and we'll go home to my place. And uh, he's going, well, what else do I do? So he gets in the car, and in the car, there are three other teenagers and so there's a teenager in front, two in the side, they move over, he gets in and the car starts going up and down and the music is cranked, all that music is going crazy and he's going, he's thinking, oh my gosh, where am I going now? And finally he gets to this old house, there's an older man, a grandpa there who's got a little old garage, he takes the tire, fixes the tire in about 15 minutes puts it back in the car. They go back to his car. They insist that they can change the tire so they all start changing the tire and they get it all changed. And as soon as they get it all changed, Hubert is reaching for his wallet. Not because he's worried about it, but because he wants to pay him. Because that's what we do. And so he reaches out and he's got 40 bucks. And he takes the 40 bucks and he said, Here, there you go. And the kid says, No. No. I don't need your 40 bucks have you ever read the story of the Good Samaritan I'm the Good Samaritan here I'm just doing this out of my my heart man don't don't give me money and so he puts it back in his pocket he quickly gets in his car and takes off and not two minutes later that same Buick comes pulling up in front of him and pulls him over he says And he comes back around, and again, he pulls out his wallet, saying, hey, oh, I forgot to pay you. And he said, no, 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 you're going the wrong way. (laughs) I know you're going to Waco, but you're going the wrong way, buddy. You're going to be in real trouble in about 10 minutes. And so he said, why don't you follow me? And so he got in his car, and they turned around, and he followed him all the way to I-35, got down the road, and off Schubert went, going So Schubert is talking and telling this story. He's thinking in his mind. By the way, right before he left, the kid pulls out, of all things, a business card. And the business card is actually to Wesley Rankin Community Center, where he works. And he says, this is where I work, by the way. And he said, I know who you are. And he said, how do you know who you are? who i am he said well you're schubert ogden right you you're from uh, perkins school of theology my pastor knows you i'm a united methodist he's preached about you a couple times and sa- in fact he's kind of mad at you for flunking him in systematic theology <laughs> <laughs> but here's my card he said why don't you come by sometime after four because i still go to school and that's where i work why don't you come by sometime have coffee or have a coke and so, Schubert puts that in his pocket, and he goes down the road, doesn't think about that kid for quite a while, but there it is in his billfold all the time. Every time he opens it up, there's that, that card, right, kind of bugging him, and he's, and he's thinking to himself, why is it so hard for me to go to Wesley Rankin Center at four o'clock and meet this kid? What are the barriers? And also, why is it that I insisted that I pay him? And here's what he said. He said he thought the reason he insisted on paying him is because he didn't want to owe that kid. He didn't want to owe that kid. He wanted to keep that kid where he was, and he wanted to be on his side of the railroad track. Just didn't, wasn't willing to make that effort to go across. He just didn't want it. It was a way to build a fence, that money was. It was a way to put that guy in his place, and it was a way to keep Ogden in his place. So today, we're starting a whole series of ministries here of worship services on neighboring. And I want you all to think about ways you could neighbor. There's so many ways you could do this. But I saw a really cool, on uh, uh, Snohomish Neighbors, it's a Facebook page, we have one in Woodinville here too, there was a group of neighbors I saw the other uh, day that have actually torn down all their fences in their neighborhood. They've torn them all down. I mean, I think this is quite remarkable. And they put some picnic tables in the middle. every week at least once a week they have a community meal back there sometimes they said it's come to twice or three times a week that they gather and they and these folks have said it's changed kind of the way they think about the neighborhood it's become more of a community than a neighborhood or a place so I'm not asking you necessarily to tear down your fence, but I want you to think about some of the fences that you have in your neighborhood. They don't have to be physical. They can be mental. They can be economic. They can be... I used to be an a, um, adjuster for roofs, so I used to look at hail damage and look at roofs, and when I did that, I judged every person I saw by their roof. <laughs> if they had cheap, roof, cheap roofing, I thought they were cheap people. I mean, that's just what I turned into, you know. And, and we get that way, right? I mean, those are kind of the, the fences we put up. In my neighborhood, for instance, kitty corner to us, there's a, a, a couple that moved in from California recently. And uh, they're uh, of India descent. But that recently, we've seen a new poster put up on the corner. can't remember, Cassie, what it says, but something about viva and truth, I think. Um, and so we looked it up, and it's not something we agree with. So now, there's the fence, that little sign, right? And is the fence put up by them? Maybe, but really, it's my fence, right? So I'm struggling with how to reach across that 50 yards to get over and... Touch them right and uh, to be a neighbor to them so this is kind of what i'm thinking i'm not asking you to go all the way down to south dallas by the way i want you to think about walking around your own neighborhood and seeing it and looking at it like the good samaritan did with eyes of compassion first man that is hard because my my brain does the opposite Eyes of compassion first. Just walk around it this week once and take a look. And just every house you see or every person you see, think about shooting them a prayer. I know that seems kind of ridiculous to think about shooting a prayer, but kind of just pour a blessing on them. Um, you don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it internally, you know? And and wish them good luck. Wish them a good day imagine what's going on in their household and pray for them see if you can come up with a couple names of people in your neighborhood and i want you to try to do that just take notice that's the first thing i want us to do as neighbors and see what happens where's god kind of leading you is there something in your heart that's going oh man i should really reach out to that person is there one person that comes to your mind or one family just just sit with that a while and then also pray about some of those obstacles that I've been talking about. Some of those fences you put up, I put up, our world puts up. How can we begin to physically and mentally tear those down and reach across the aisle? So Grady's going to help me a little bit here. Maybe I can get one other person to. You want to come? Uh, yes. Come on up you're you're smiling at me the second roll, yes you want to help and and we're just gonna pass these out and I'm asking you to take these Um, and our first week is all about noticing and you can just pass them out to each of these and uh, try if you can to try to just take a look at this and give it a try Um, sometimes we need something concrete right I mean, we have an idea, but this is a way to kind of make it concrete and put it in your hearts. Because really, the Good Samaritan story isn't one of just noticing and having eyes of compassion, but it's also about acting, right? About doing. So I hope this will maybe be a way for you to uh, enter into what we're trying to do in our neighboring. By the way, you can also neighbor within our church community, right? I mean, who are we missing? And when you, when you take a, a walk around our church community, who do you see and who don't you? Like Will was talking about. So. And all the people said, amen. Take the offering, the choir will come up.